Welcome to the Builders Podcast, episode 142, Pete Moore. From operator to owner, planning for the unplanned. What if life happens? Before we jump into this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, hit that notification bell if you're on YouTube, and after a listen, please give us a thumbs up, like, and share, if we've earned it. With your help, we can reach more people and deliver these valuable From the Trenches lessons to those that need it. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another The Builders. Today, we are joined by Pete Moore, more or less. More or less. Thanks uh, Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Matt. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I threw myself off by saying <laughs> more <laughs> or less. <laughs> anyway, so Pete is, wow, um, he's got a lot to talk about. Uh, we could A lot we can dig into because he's done a lot of different businesses. He just named off like a half a dozen different things he's done over the years. Uh, so well, we'll I'm getting older, Matt. You're <laughs> getting older. <laughs> Well, you know, you look good. You look yeah, good. Thanks, man. Um, so, yeah. So, what we do first on the builders is we like to, especially when you're it's your first time on, so we like to talk a little bit about your story or have you talk about it. Sure. And uh, your origin story, yeah. where you uh, maybe where you come from, you know, yep. where uh, how you ended up being an entrepreneur, you know, why you did that, who influenced you, why do cool. you why do you put yourself through this. Yeah, that kind of thing. Man, I, I don't think I'd ever want to do anything else. And uh, <laughs> I'm so I'm so proud and happy and all of that stuff about being a lifelong entrepreneur. Um, I started young, man. Um, like that typical story, you know. I, I really did. My um, my folks. I'm first of all, I'm Canadian. I live in a beautiful small town called Alora, which is about an hour outside of Toronto. And we run a couple of shoe stores called Shootopia still. And uh, I spend most of my time coaching with my coaching business, coaching business here called Simplifying Entrepreneurship. But, you know, taking it back to those early days, and I won't uh, spend the whole uh, time talking about it, but, you know, I did start young. I, I started about 13, 14, uh, making crafts with my mom. She, she sold crafts to craft stores, and I had a couple of little ones that I made, and, you know, she made me peddle my stuff along with her as we rolled around, and I was cutting lawns and doing all that kind of stuff in the summers and shoveling snow and making a buck wherever I could. Through university, did the same sort of thing, just turned it into a bit more of a landscaping business through university. And and uh, I got out of university. I took a business degree in university. And um, I got out of university, worked for my best friend's, uh, or my dad's best friend. His name is Peter as well, who I'm named after, actually. And it's the only <laughs> full-time job wow. after university that I really ever worked at. And I was there about six months, and I said, you know what? This isn't for me. I got to go do my own thing. That was what, 1994. What, what, what was it? It was just like you just you did. What like... was I doing? I no, was what, selling why, heavy lifts. Why? Why wasn't it for you? Uh, because I just had to do my own thing, you know. And mm. um, I liked the business. It's a great business. Still exists today. It's uh, called Geosynthetic Systems in the Ottawa area, and uh, he doesn't own it anymore. He's he's uh, sold it since. But um, it was a great business. Heavy landscaping stuff. I love that whole industry. My dad was in heavy construction for years. Like I know it intimately, and I'm ex- I, excites me and all that stuff. What didn't excite me was working for someone else. And, uh, you know, at that early age, uh, I was like, hmm, I just think I need to be my own boss. So uh, I was 23 at the time. And uh, it's interesting because the first business that I bought 
um, my first former bit or formal business, let's call it full-time business was a franchise and it was a bathroom renovation company and uh, it was called surface doctor at the time. Um, long story short, we defranchised it uh, because it, it was through a whole bunch of rigmarole and, and three different franchisors over the course of five years. Uh, so it was, you know, one of those sort of crazy franchise nightmares, but mm. uh, at the same time, the business was good. And, um, I think a lot, there was, I think 200 and some sold over that course of five years. And I think 20 of us were still lasting at the end of it. Okay. Uh, and so I changed the name to surface medic. It still goes on today, almost 30 years later, it's doing well. Uh, when I sold it about 13 years ago, we were in about a thousand bathrooms a year. So, I mean, I had multiple trucks oh. on the road We're you know, spraying bathtubs, doing bathtub liners and wall systems and spraying kitchens and all sorts of different things, mostly for uh, landlords and, um, I, you know, homeowners as well. But, uh, at the same time as I had that, I came across another franchise and it was called Sani service. And we cleaned sinks, toilets, and urinals for about, um, I, I took over a fledgling business. It had about 30 customers. We sold it 10 years later when we 10 times did, we had about 300 customers when we sold it. Wow. And, um, you know, for all those listeners out there, I have cleaned more urinals than you could ever imagine in your entire lifetime. Uh, and you know, know, it wasn't the most glamorous of jobs, what we did. We got our hands and knees and we, we sanitized sinks, toilets, and urinals. And we looked after feminine napkin bins and we did air fresheners and hand soaps and paper products and toilet paper and all that kind of stuff. Somebody's gotta do all that, right? <clears throat> yeah, and you know what? It was a good business and we did well with it. And when we sold it, we did well on the sale. And so not every business, uh, is something that you are, you know, if you're, if you're in business and interested in business, it's not always about what you do. It's like, is this going to be the way that I can, um, look at my future when I'm looking at the future, I'm thinking about how I want to live with my family and all the different things that I want out of my life, because it's my feeling that we get most business owners get into business for themselves because they have different dreams of a different life than is being presented to them by whomever they're working for. So, and that was, that was basically where I was at, at that time back, you know, 29 years ago when, saying, when you I first think, went, yeah, yeah. when you first went into it, did you, were you thinking about selling it right away off the bat or is it? No, not off the bat. Um, it's like, Hey, hey can I, are these two good businesses that I can run and make some good money? And we had a young family and, you know, I want to support my family and do well with it and grow the business and maybe someday down the road exit. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I went back to university, um, in 2007, took an executive MBA. And I, at the time I went in, I decided that I wanted to have sold both of those businesses by 2009 and move on to something different, which I did sold both of them, uh, successful exits, became a business broker, helping people buy and sell businesses through that, uh, transition. And that's how I found Shootopia, the first uh, shoe store that I have. And, um, I still own it 13 years later, uh, just came from there before this show. Actually, I don't, I don't work in the shoe store very much anymore, about a day a week or so, uh, between the two shoe stores. Uh, I spend most of my time coaching these days, but, uh, that's kind of how I got to where I got now. And, you know, m one of the main things, Matt, that, that, um, I coach to is this idea that you shouldn't have to work in your business every single day. It's such a, it's so interesting. Um, we just experienced as we're recording here, here in Canada, it was our Thanksgiving weekend this past weekend, which is a little earlier than yours. Uh, yeah. and you know, the former owner who I bought it, uh, the 
the original store off of um, 13 years ago came in my store this past weekend and I saw him. I happened to be working on the Saturday covering because we had a bunch of people off. And like I said, I don't work in the stores often, but when I'm still the owner, so when I'm needed, I'm there. And uh, Bill came in and he said, Peter, I, I haven't seen you in a long time. I said, no, I haven't seen you in a long time, Bill. And he said, um, are, do you come, are you in much? Because he goes, I've stopped in a few times. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really work a whole lot in my stores anymore. I've got a good team. I've got good process in place. You know, we've got things set up and rolling in a good, uh, good way that I'm here when I'm needed. And he goes, when I used to work here with Gloria, who was his wife uh, at the time, he goes, we worked every single hour the store was open. And I'm going, I know. And that's why I, I'm thinking to myself, I know you did. And that's why I don't ever want to do that. So, so that's yeah. why, you know, um, you know, I believe that you become a business owner because you, even if you love what you do, you shouldn't be tied to it for eternity, 80 hours a week, making every single decision, making every single, you know, hire, making every single purchase order, all of this kind of stuff, which is really interesting because a lot of us have to do that, Matt, when we get going, right? You got to you know, maybe aren't really deep pocketed with all kinds of cash. You got to just kind of bite it and get in there and, and do what you got to do. But there comes a time in the business where it's like, hey, if things are rolling well and you've done a good job getting the startup over, now it's like, okay, once the startup is over, we get habitualized into making all the decisions, but we don't need to anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm kind of in that fit. Well, I'm somewhere in a long phase of, uh, with my agency, the same thing. It's, you know, I just took a long weekend, actually four days away. It's third third long weekend this year. And awesome. uh, I have a team that watched things and only had one or two fires I had to handle. Um, but it's progress. But I have that dream too, is someday where I, I, what the goal is, is to eventually be able to take more and more time and, and uh, do other things um, in the business. Uh, so we can- And I mean, yeah. not everybody wants that. Some people just love to do what they do and it's part of who they are and all that kind of stuff. And if that's you, that's good. You know, that's fine. But think of if you ever do get sick or if you ever do need to take a leave of absence in any given case, do you have people cross-trained? Do you have people ready to make the decisions in your absence? Not because you want to leave maybe, because maybe you don't, but if you have to leave. That's a different issue. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because I love what I do. I'm web exactly. So do I. This is my my thing. But right, I want to be in a position if something does happen mm -hmm. that I have uh, people I can rely on uh, that uh, can watch the sh watch the ship and yeah. um, take care of things while I'm gone. I can trust them with my clients and for sure. And all that. I'll give, you, stuff. I'll give you a quick example. Um, in the last twelve months, I've lost both of my parents. Oh my gosh! And sorry to hear um, that. Nobody knows when that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's never fun, but you know, going through prior to my father's passing last October, as we're recording here, um, literally uh, a year and a week ago. Um, but prior to that, we knew we had a cancer and I spent probably about 60 days back where they live, you know, on it, like go back for four or five days every month. Um, and then through the time that he passed and everything, I was out of my business for probably 60 days in that year up till he passed. And then this year, um, my mom passed and I've been, haven't been gone that much cause we didn't really know she was going to pass. Um, at this time she wasn't doing that great, but I've been making regular trips back. They live five hours away, regular trips back uh, to help my mom out over the, you know, after my dad passed and sell the house and do a whole bunch of stuff with my sister and, uh, be available for her. And then her passing here, uh, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and then settling that up, um, all of that stuff you can't plan for. 
And um, whether a loss of a loved one or a family member or whether it's your own sickness or illness, uh, I was out of my business over the last two years more than I ever have been in 29 years of, of uh, being a business owner. And when I came back after three weeks uh, of, because we had gone on a vacation, we took a 10-day vacation out to see my kids out west. And then I came back and I immediately had to go back to be with my mom for the last week that she was alive and then a week or so after she had passed. And I was out of my out of my um business for, you know, give or take three weeks. And when I got back and at the same time, we had lost a key member of our team as well. Uh, one of the top three people in our team. And I came back to the top two that are still left, been with me a long time and do a great job. And I said, what do you need from me? And they said, nothing. We're good. We got it covered. And I mean, I, that's what I want for my clients, Matt. That's what I want for other business owners so that you can get to a point down the road where if you need to go, you don't have to worry. Things are getting tackled. Things are getting done. Maybe not a hundred percent of how you would do it, but even if they're at an 80% level, that's good enough for in times of need. Right. I was looking at, I, um, I just had somebody on this, like the story was very similar to hers. Amy Foley, I believe it was, um, where she had a situation, she was like gone for like two years. Yeah. She, or I think it was her husband got sick or mm-hmm. something along those lines. If I remember, I'm probably not going to remember perfect, but, um, but it was the same situation where she came back and she's like, no one missed her. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that's an ideal. That's where you want to be. You, yeah. If, if you're healthy, everything's going great, but there's yeah. like, this is a really, really powerful reason to want to get there it's not so much that oh i can go on vacation i can do it but when something happens with your family or some thing happens like what we're talking about here my condolences by the way it's uh, thanks you and it past year it's terrible these things aren't easy um, yeah but they're real yeah you know and they're yeah. real is because as business owners it's sort of yin and yang we're attached to the hip with our businesses and our lives and our personal lives and our relationships both within and outside of the business. And we need to be able to carve up some time. So if you're making every single little decision, if you're making every single little hire, if you're making every single little payment, if you're making every single little sale or a part of each of those things, then you got some work to do. And you know what? It takes some time. It takes some time to get things running on rails like this. And it takes some time to get your head around the fact that I need to get out of being a part of every decision. And, you know, I've got sort of a lot of different sayings. One of the sayings that I use a lot is that decisions need to be made at the lowest possible level of your organization. And I'll say it again because I think it needs to sink in a little bit. Decisions need to be made at the lowest level of your organization every single time. And I'll use, we own some shoe stores, right? So if I'll use this example, if you bought a pair of shoes at Chewtopia, and or maybe your wife came in and bought a pair of shoes for you at Shootopia and they're a size 11 because she thought you took a size 11 and you take a size 10. Well, if well, you 12. came back and said, you know, I, I need to flip this out and I need to, you know, get a size 10, not a size 11, then um, what do we do here? Well, if my team said, well, um, get, you know, I can't really do that. Let me go get the assistant manager. Um, and she does the returns and then the assistant manager wasn't available and you were waiting around and then you said, Hey, can I just really need a change for, you know, a a size here? It's not a really big deal. And then uh, that person said, Oh, well, you know, maybe I'll go get the manager and see if she can help because I, you know, I really can't do that. 
and then goes gets the manager and the manager said you know what peter's the owner uh he's not in today and we don't do exchanges unless peter's around uh you know so why don't you come back on saturday because he's going to be here on saturday i know it's tuesday and he's away for a couple of days but you know if you come back on saturday we should be able to make that exchange for you and the guy's sitting there going well i've got the 10 right in my hand can't you just make the change no i can't that's maybe an over exaggerated example but you the listener I'm sure if you think about something like this and it's happening in your business where you ultimately have the control of making a decision that's way down below, you don't need to make those decisions anymore. It's time to set up the process and let it go. Gosh, I love that. That is, that is beautiful. That's, that's like, I, I related to my business, my agency, you know, building my team and, and I try to empower them to be able to make decisions themselves. And, uh, but they still come to me. Uh, but over time, like I said, processes too, and, and be able to have a process and reinforcing that um, and even challenging them. Once in a while, I, I ask them to go do things um, outside of their comfort zones. I know it is. Like, you you decide, you know, what features should we build here? Or what, you know, I've, I've, I've had them do a little R&D, you know, like, you know, go see what, what we should be building here. And I'm not just going to tell you, you know, what do you think? Um, but those type of things are, yeah, at the lowest level. I love that. Yeah. So um, here's 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 the um, question that if everybody listening takes this one question away today, it will change things for you in your business. And here it is, basically. So when somebody comes and asks you a question that you think they should already know the answer, which happens all the time, right? You're like, and you say to yourself, why don't they just do this? They should know the answer. Here's what you say back to them. This is what you need to memorize. What would you do if I wasn't here today? And do not answer until they give you the answer. Like you have to stay in uncomfortable silence until they give you the answer. Because if you truly think that they know the right answer, because you've asked yourself, like, come on, they, they've been here 10 years. They know this. They're coming to you because you haven't let them have accountability yet. So if you said to them, hey, if I wasn't here, what would you do? And they said, well, we would call you at home and everything like that. And if that's the wrong answer, then you give them the right answer. But if they gave you the right answer and saying, I just would have changed the 10 for the 11 or the 11 for the 10 or whatever our example was, size 10, then you say, exactly, go ahead. You know, knock it off. Good job. You made the decision without me. Use it as a coaching moment. You know, if, if you need to coach them up because they don't have the right answer, that's a coaching moment. And if, if you, if they have the right answer, it's a congratulations moment. Next time they'll just do it themselves. The next time they'll just change that 10 for the 11. It's no big deal. They know that you told them it's good. You've assigned and aligned the accountability and they feel as though they can make the decision because they made the right decision. You gave them the stamp of approval. And next time they come and ask you the same question, you say, remember, what would you do if I wasn't here? And they'd be like, oh, I would just change it. Exactly. Yeah. I don't need you know, to be involved in this decision. And the next, the next stage of that, the next layer is when they come to you and say, I don't know if we should be doing it that way, Matt. I know that's your, you know, they correct you. And say, well, you know, I, I have that. I think about one of my VAs that's like that. She's been sure. with me for almost three years. And, uh, and she'll be listening to this because she's going to edit this 
beautiful beautiful um but uh you know but she has on numerous occasions like i'll throw ideas out or something and then she'll you know i don't know maybe we should do it this other way i don't know about that yeah you know those type of things when people align with your promise which is you know um one of the frameworks i have come up with your promise, align your products, your process, your people to it so that you can have the right amount of profit. But when people align with your promise and truly understand what it is you do, who you're doing it for and why you're doing it, they want to make the best decision. And if they see that process is out of whack based on delivering that promise, they're going to let you know if they're, if they're the right people. Yeah. And it comes down to just in not wanting to micromanage them too. Yeah. So, um, I try to, and again, it's, it's you know, some, some employees or some contractors, you know, they want to run everything by you, mm-hmm. but, um, I try to empower them as well to, to just go do it, give them as little detail as possible. Just let them do it, you know, let them make mistakes. Um, and that's what, how we learn. So I want to tell a little story, actually, uh, I'm going to sneak it in here, right? Yeah, let's do it. About. Because I'm not, I'm never, I'm never able to tell this story because it never fits in anywhere. I never think <laughs> about it, but it's, it's hilarious. It's so, so you're in the shoe business and it made me th- think of, um, I was <laughs> as an affiliate, I was sort of, sort of in the shoe business for a minute. Um, back in the two thousands, I was an affiliate marketer. I did a lot of pay-per-click and SEO and all that stuff. Yeah. Niche marketing. And, uh, one of my, niches was sandals because mm-hmm. I had gone out. Sometimes I would just start with the domain yep. and yep. somehow, um, Alexa, stop. <laughs> she wants to, she wants to sell you some shoes. <laughs> that rarely happens. Yeah. I don't, um, so, so, uh, uh about sandals.com was available. And I don't, yeah, I don't know if I did the keyword research before that, or I found about sandals, whatever, doesn't matter. I got about sandals.com and I was thinking, all right, so I set up this niche site. I create the content for it. I think I had, um, basically what I would do is we would, I would set up basically a mock store, but all the links would be affiliate links and we'd go out to, you know, you'd go buy them wherever. Right. Yep. And back in those days, things worked a little differently. We can get away with a lot more back then. And <laughs> and uh, anyway, so uh, it actually did really well and promoted it. And I was doing really, really well. And I actually got a letter, though, um, from a company called Sandals Resorts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to there. <laughs> yeah. So... So I actually like a cease, you know, a, yep. a cease letter, a lawyer's um, letter, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that was a whole thing. But I just remember it just reminded me that I was in that niche for a while. And <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. I think About I remember that. what I ended up having to do. With We've that. got the best the... pools. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. The nicest sand beaches. <laughs> I actually really do love sandals. My yeah. wife and I have gone to sandals a bunch of times. And... Well, sandals are uh, definitely a big part of my life, not only my holiday life, but my everyday life. It's, uh, you know, um, I, I love still being in business, Matt. Um, I mean, not only coaching business owners, but a lot of the things I come up with for our shoe stores um, and for my own personal life uh, and business life is because I need it myself. Mm, you know, the yeah. frameworks, the different things that I've come up with to help people through their frustrations. I say, turn their frustrations into freedoms, you know, 
it's like because I've I've gone through this. I've been there. I've done that, or I've helped other um, clients go through these. And it's like, hmm, we need to develop a tool for that that's going to help them get over the hump, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, it, so let's let's dig into the shoe business since we're talking yeah. about the shoe business. Yeah. So, like, when you got into the shoe business, what what was your biggest challenge with uh, when you? first started did, did, first of all did you buy into a business i remember I did. this was yeah i bought into an existing company that was uh, 12 years old and the owner um the owner's oh, right. wife were owner operators and were retiring essentially at yeah. that time you know so i bought the i was i was helping people buy and sell businesses as a business broker i pitched that business to another person and in doing that um just like i would do uh with you know, preparing for any buy and sell sort of uh, arrangement, I really did my homework on this business in order to pitch it to the person that I thought might be interested in it. And he basically said, eh, no, not interested. So we found him another business, which is great. But at the same time, I said to my wife, you know, this is an interesting business. It spits off good revenue. It's in a town that um, was five hours away from where we lived, but in a town that was very similar to ours, you know, smaller town, good community. We were small town people close to mm -hmm. a bigger city, which has everything that we need if we need it. Um, and all of these different things. And we said, you know what, let's buy this business. And so um, we bought it. And part of the buy-sell agreement was that uh, the gentleman who used to own the store, Bill, uh, that he would come to the first uh, two trade shows with me and help me through the buying process. Because uh, although I love shoes, I had never bought shoes. I mean, like other than just going into the store and buying a pair, I've never bought for a business, right? right so right. it's a very different thing. And, and it was, you know, it took a couple of years really for me to get through that and then to set up the process and then train it for someone else, right? Uh, because that's sort of what I do. And now we're training it for another new person because that person was with, with me buying for five years and uh, and has left. So we're, we're kind of going adjusting the process a little bit and moving through for this new person. But I would say buying was the, probably the biggest thing. I mean, I had hired people and fired people and, you know, I'm, I was already managing businesses for 13 years before buying this one. So, you know, being a business owner wasn't new, but the fact that I moved from service-based businesses, the cleaning company, the bathroom renovation, mm. which was more like, okay, everybody came to the shop in the morning, picked up their trucks, went out and did their stuff on the right. road every day to, okay, I've got a box, which is my store and, and I'm, I'm waiting for customers to come in to buy stuff from me. That was different. That was different because in, in the service business, when I owned service businesses in the past, I'd always know if we were going to be slow because we had job bookings in advance. All right. So if we were going to be slow, I could pick up the phone, call whoever I needed to stop into some property managers and say, Hey, you got some stuff that you need done. You got any vacant units that you want us to knock off. I've got a few openings that I can get them done for you here before the end of the month or something like that, you know, but in retail, you can't really just go out on the road and start pulling people in and saying, Hey, get in here and buy some shoes. <laughs> like <laughs> That's true. It, it doesn't work that way. So yeah, it was, true. It, it was kind of, it, you know, that was, that was different for me to understand and sort of manage the fact that we cannot I mean, yes, you can advertise and do sales and do things to bring people in, but you can't necessarily manage the the day like you can in a service business. So, so that was a big challenge is just learning how to kind of 
think about it differently or come at it and figure yeah. out inv inventory and scheduling uh, all sorts of different stuff, you know, like, uh, it's just a, it's a different nut and, yeah. um, you know, whatever business that you, you know, the listener here is, is looking at or maybe contemplating every business has its own sort of, uh, intricacies. And sometimes, um, you don't really think about them that much. You know, you just say, oh, this is, this got to be a good business. But you, sometimes you got to go a layer deeper and think about what might um, present itself that I'm unfamiliar with and talk to some people, do some homework, you know, get get out in the industry and ask some questions, find, find the industry associations that may be able to answer some of your questions for you and different things like that. Because, you know, um, as much as I love being a business owner, business ownership isn't easy. It's not for everyone. There's a reason why everybody <laughs> isn't a business owner. And I know lots of people that have got into business and it wasn't for them and they left being a business owner. Uh, and that's okay too, because you know what, if it isn't for you, then that's okay. You've got to live your own life the way you want to live it. And for those of us that want to be business owners, you know, there's, there's some intricacy around that too. And a lot of the times, at least with the people that I coach, the biggest issue that they deal with is is just overwork and overwhelm, and they don't know how to get out of their business and have a normal life. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So um, you, you mentioned processes a few times, yeah. and this is something near and dear to my heart. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, again, I run an agency and team and all that, but also, you know, kind of some of the content on my blog, that's kind of my, I talk about the intersection between processes and teams and all that. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty important part of yeah. uh, like, especially if you're going to step away or, you know, not be tied into your business and working 12 hours a day in your business, you have to set up processes so you can pass on these processes to other people. They can mm -hmm. learn and yeah. have watched the ship while you're gone and that type of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So what, um, what can you tell us about processes? I mean, what, how do you, we could how does somebody go, go for, about that? Like yeah. if you're, if you you're starting business. days here, but <laughs> yeah, no, I know we yeah. could go on for days. Um, I can start by saying I, I developed an acronym for the word process and what should a process do? It should prevent recurring overwhelm, clarify, evaluate, systematize, and simplify whatever it is you need to put a process around. So first thing processes do is they prevent recurring overwhelm. If you do something more than three or four times, it should have a process. Yeah. And how do you build it? Well, first you got to clarify what it is. You clarify at the end goal, what is the good? Like, what do I want the outcome to look like? And what would be a bad result? So you're clarifying the good and the bad. You evaluate what you've got. You systematize it, which is basically listed out in a simple, simple form so that you can simplify the process because everybody wants to work with a simplified process. They don't want to work with something that's overwhelming and they, a lot of times they just won't. So yeah. your goal when you're developing processes is to really, you're going to try and help them prevent recurring overwhelm. You need to clarify what the outcome is, evaluate what you currently are doing so that you can see how you're either going to improve it or change it or whatever the case is, systematize it, which is listing it out and simplify it to its very core. So when you do that, you come out with something that people can repeat and 
you can then align and assign accountability to somebody else because you've built this process that you know works every time, or at least most of the time. And yeah. if you get it up to that like 80, 90% stage, then you can feel comfortable in handing it over to somebody else in order to uh, you know, finish this process. Think about the idea that we used with the shoe store in the return. Like doing a return for somebody, flipping a size out for somebody is very simple. So the process, I mean, there's a couple of keystrokes on, you know, on the, um, on our point of sale system and you literally hand it over to them and you say, you know, I'm glad we got you the right size. Like it's not that hard. So as owners, often we make things harder than they are. So we want to take this down. We want to prevent recurring overwhelm, not only for the person, but for our client. Can you imagine the frustration that would be if that client saw the size right there in front of them? and knew he couldn't take it until Saturday and this is a Tuesday, like, come on, right? And, you're, and your team members frustrated that they can't help that customer too, right? That's right. So lay it out, what are the steps? Boom, 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 boom. Simplify it and then communicate it. It's gotta be communicated. So everybody learns in a different way, Matt. You know, some people are very visual some people like to read steps and they're checklisters, you know, I need to check it off. There's six steps and I'm going to check them off every, those are the people that put post-it notes everywhere and all that kind of stuff. Right. You probably have them on your team. I mean, we, we, a lot of us do. And then there's other people that don't like to follow systems at all. They learn <laughs> by doing right. And it's like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta take you. If I'm the checklist person, I will take you through you know, and hold your hand basically and train you physically train you and do this four or five times until I know that you've got the checklist down in your head. Cause I know you're never going to do the checklist. And once I'm at that stage, then I'm good. And other people are like, no, just show me the video right in the today's day and age of video. It's like, sh go on, go on the point of sale system. Take me through the different windows that I got to go through. And once I see it two or three times on the video, I'll be good. So think about your process. Once you have your process down, then how are you communicating the process so you can align and assign accountability? And that's what I call the CPA model that I work with my clients a lot. So we want communication, process management, and accountability because you need once the process is there, you, you need to be able to communicate it, right? But you also need to be able to align and assign it to the new owner of that process. I, well, I think one of the things that stands out the most here is, is the simplification of it because be simple. I'll, I'll give you an example. So, so I, uh, I, I used to do, um, I worked for a company for a number of years as a web developer and, uh, we built WordPress themes, right. And, uh, we had built our own, I built all my own boilerplate, um, from the ground up, you know, line by line built this thing. And, and then I built this beautiful system to build out custom themes. Well, actually things we were selling um, in a marketplace, but mm -hmm. but I had every detail. I had all these different phases. I had just checklist, like every page. Okay, I did that page. I did the 404 and I got the post and I got the page. I check it off, you know, all this stuff, right? And that worked for me beautifully. Like yeah. that's the kind of person I am. I want to, yep. you know, I'm gonna little checklist yeah, yeah. there. And so years later, I have my own agency, right? Now I, still have that checklist. And <laughs> I'm like, well, I got this checklist. Now all yeah. I have to do is give it to my people, give it to my team. And so I remember the, 
first one or a couple couple times I used it. And I and and I had it at the time we were using Trello and I had it broken out and there was a little you could mark stuff off and yeah. And they would get into the project and like almost done with the project and nothing was checked off. Yeah. This is driving me crazy. Why aren't they driving why aren't they checking things off? <laughs> Don't they you know, that, that's driving me crazy. And and then eventually I learned, I'm like, they, it's just, there's, they don't need that. And there's too much detail. There's too much. They just got a general idea. They get it done. They, they go through it. They don't worry about checking things. They just, so everybody, like you said, everyone's mind's different. Everyone kind of yeah. works differently. Like some, some of my team members, they love video. I have to, I'll make them a little bullet list of things, but yep. then I go over it in a video real quick screen share or something yeah we use um, loom for that all the time i mean it's yeah, really cool. yeah yeah yep 100 yeah loom is awesome because like i said what it, now i have an international team it really helps out even more because yep. of that uh, to make sure nothing's lost in translation um but i will you know i have an idea of maybe some things that they need to do some tasks but then i'm create a, create a quick loom video and explain yep. it in detail there and real quick and um but yeah anyway so but that simplification is so important. You know, even this podcast, mm. one more example. Um, this podcast, like when we're done with this podcast, I have a process to get it edited. And then and then I hand that over to somebody. Um, this this podcast already lives in a, and we use ClickUp. Uh, I created a task and we have a template and I mm-hmm. click the template and it fills out everything for me. And, yep. and then I hand that off to somebody and then, yeah, There's we use Trello, same sort of thing. It's like, yeah. but having these processes takes the stuff out of our head and gives it, yes. to, you know, it puts it in a place where other people can understand it. And that's one of the big problems, Matt, that a lot of small business owners have is that everything lives in their own noggin. And they, they, well, here's another one, right? You've heard it, I'm sure, before. The word assume makes an ass of you and me, right? So if you lay it out, assume makes an ass of you and me. And it does because, you know, we assume as the owners of the business that everybody has our brain and knows exactly what we know. And why aren't they making these calls when we don't even have process? Like, how can we expect them to make decision when we haven't actually laid it out in any sort of formal way? No wonder they're coming to you for the answers all the time. And and I'm willing to bet a lot of business, you know, I mean, you hear the nightmare stories, people like, I, I just understand. I try to outsource and try to yeah. get contract, do things for me. And they just don't get it. Yeah. They just can't get it done. But you have absolutely no process in place to, you know, that's the missing piece. You've never that's, told them what good looks like. You've never told them what bad yeah. looks like. You've never told them really what you truly want or, you know, given them any sort of guidance as to if they are uh, doing things right or wrong along the way. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's so, yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff is, is, there's a lot of room for improvement in the small businesses around Canada and the U.S. for sure. Yeah, in the world probably. <laughs> um, no, this is this is great. Um, so, so what do you? So you do coaching. So that's your main business now. Yeah. You're. Yeah. I spend uh, most of my time coaching these days and sp- speaking at conferences and, you know, podcasting and doing all that sort of stuff around simplifying entrepreneurship and, um, and that, that side of my business. And then, you know, I'm involved in Shootopia as much as I need to be, but, um, it would be ha- pretty hard for me to speak and, and coach to these kind of things if I was working 50 hours a week in my shoe business. Cause you know, that doesn't, that doesn't really bode well for what I, 
what I coach yeah. do. <laughs> so um, the, the idea here is that, um, yes, I'm still the owner of the business. And yes, I'm still involved when I need to be involved. And if somebody wants Thanksgiving weekend off, I'm happy to work Thanksgiving weekend and give my team uh, the time off and, and that sort of stuff. Because, you know, there's give and take in any relationship. And I always want to be supportive of giving my team as much of freedom as they can have because they give me the freedom that I ask for. And so there's a reciprocal in this sort of stuff, you know. And we live by that at Utopia, and uh, I think there's a lot of respect around that um, within within our group and family at Utopia. And from that perspective, we're always looking after each other. And when people need time off, they get time off. And when people need to, you know, um, put up and just get it done, they do. And you know, when you run that kind of environment, and um, that's just the way, and it and it comes from right from the new employee right up to the owners. Um, my wife's also an owner in in the shoe store, and and when she needs to go into work, she'll go into work, and so will I. And I mean, it's just part of it. But at the same time, we don't want to be put on the schedule for forty hours a week, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. as owners, yeah, that's not good. One of the thing, one of the great things is you're doing coaching and stuff, and and I think one of the great things, if if I was going to come to you and get some coaching, is knowing that you have been in business. Yeah. You want to learn from people that have been in the trenches, yeah. and uh, have gone through all the ups and downs, and know how to structure a business and, and do all those things. Uh, yeah, it's you know, I I was. Um just asked the other day by somebody who I've known for quite a while. And she said, used to be a business broker. Can you help me get my business ready to sell? And I'm like, sure I can. I can help you do that. I mean, I'm not licensed anymore to, to actually put it up and, and sell it, yeah. but I can help you prep it and get ready for sale because essentially it's the same thing as what we've been talking about here today. Because in order, the time your business is going to be most valuable is when you're least involved. Hmm. Yeah. Because people don't want to buy a business that's directly relative to how much time you're putting in it as the owner, because yeah. you're going to leave. Right. right. That's All right. Problem. Yeah. And I've talked to other agencies that people have sold agencies and stuff. And, and it's my, my vision for my business, even though I figure I'll be here for another 20 years. Yeah, I love fine. what I do. But at some point when I do exit, yeah, I'm going to be in a position where Matt's not needed anymore. Right. And I think, you know, that when you get to that point, uh, like I would say our shoe stores right now are pretty sellable because things happen without me right? and they happen every day without me. Uh, so basically, you know, I go in because I want to go in more than I have to go in. And I think that becomes, and, and it's still spitting off, you know, money and, and profit. So I think those kind of things are interesting when you look at that. Well, all right. So it was great getting to know you and, and your business and what you've all done. I mean, yeah. there is so many different directions we could go mm. <laughs> with all save, your business. Save one or two for another episode, maybe. Absolutely. I would love to have you back. Uh, but before we go, uh, can you uh, let our audience know uh, how they can either find you on the yeah. World Wide Web? Are you on LinkedIn? Where are you? Yeah, and, I kind of uh, live all over these days. But if you Google search Pete Moore, M-O-H-R, you will find me for sure. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn at Pete Moore, um, and you can just go to um, more.coach, that's M-O-H-R dot C-O-A-C-H, 
uh, for my website, and you'll get everything you need there too. And I also have a podcast too. It's called the Business Owner Breakthrough, Matt, and uh, they're solo podcasts, just sort of little five, 10 minute episodes. Uh, episodes around the stuff that we've been talking about today, little concepts that hopefully take you from your operator chair to the owner chair where you want to be down the road. Um, whether, you know, and every journey is different. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer to get there. It's okay. But you have this goal in mind that someday down the road, you don't want to be making every single little decision, right? And you want to have more freedom. That's why you got into business in the first place. Love it. Me, me, me. I want that. I'm going to listen to your podcast. Sweet. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Pete. Until next time. Been a pleasure. Make it a great day. That's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed that. Again, please subscribe if you haven't already and give us a thumbs up if we deserve it. If you want to comment on this episode's page, provide me with requests on topics for future episodes or inquire about being a guest, please find your way to thebuilders.fm. You can contact me there or add a comment under these show notes. Now a word from our sponsor, my agency, Unified Web Design. We build custom websites, features, we maintain websites, we work with agencies to fulfill their web design and development needs, and more. If you are interested in our services or are looking for an agency to work with as a partner to build awesome sites for your clients, feel free to reach out to me at unifiedwebdesign.com. There's a handy contact me link at the top. Fill out that form and it will open a ticket and that ticket will find its way to me. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.